this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast as we begin our countdown to budget 2023-24 india faces a tough global environment and volatile commodity prices the latter posing upside risks to inflation Economists see some bright spots in our economy as also some concerning metrics especially to do with exports and recent core sector or iip figures that have given no discernible trend in recent months we have with us today this aditi nayar chief economist at rating agency ikra to share with us her views on the state of the economy thank you ms nayar really appreciate your being with us today uh, thank you for your time thank you my pleasure So as we begin our uh, countdown to the budget budget 2023-24 India faces a tough uh, global environment and volatile commodity prices and the latter of course posing upside risks to inflation so we just wanted your views on several aspects of the economy some macro indicators which have come some which are benign and seem favorable some where there is there are no trends at all for instance with core sector or iip data uh, pretty volatile uh, data coming out of there So during the course of this conversation we hope to pick your brains on what you think is working well and where there are dark corners where uh, you know we might have to wait for some more data to come out. So if we start off with GDP growth at an overall level uh, would it be accurate to say that the downward cadence in GDP over uh, you know four quarters that will be ending in March though expected uh, right 2021 was a tough year for us because of the pandemic and so Q1 of 2223 was pretty high in terms of percentage growth of gdp uh, so this cadence downwards does it set us up as a country for some concerning times india may be a bright spot in the global environment but by itself do you think we still have anxieties that you know sort of justify given our uh, performance so let me offer some thoughts on uh, what you've said you've said a lot of uh, uh, things so let me just sort of offer my uh, perspective uh, i agree with view that gdp growth optically is going to decline on a yoy basis over the course of fy23 but what we feel is that a large part of this is because of the base effects uh, related to the second wave uh, of uh, covid19 that hit india very badly in uh, the previous year and what we feel is a better gauge of how the economy is uh, performing is actually looking at the growth in uh, the current year as compared to the pre- uh, respective pre covid quarter and when we do that q2 was much better than q1 and we're hopeful that h2 will also be better than q2 so i think that is a better way of actually gauging, uh, gauging whether the recovery is uh, sustaining or not now when it comes to the high frequency indicators you're quite right uh, many indicators seem to show no pattern particularly there's been all sorts of volatility between october and november we feel that this specifically has been led by an earlier start to the festive season in our 2022 compared to 2021 so base effects are sort of going topsy turvy between these two months and uh, uh, a lot of what happened in october made it seem as if the economy was sharply slowing down and then there are very very sharp rebounds uh, in november both of these are misleading we feel that it's better to look at an average for october and november together to understand how the economy is performing so when we do that things are not as bad as october and not as good as november in most of the indicators like the iip for instance has grown by about 1.5% uh, on average in these two months uh, not a 4% contraction uh, and not a 7% growth uh, which is the october and november uh, numbers 
Similarly, uh, you know, the core sector is also uh, showing a rebound. Exports contracted sharply in uh, October, rebounded in November, but again on a YOY basis have contracted in December. So that brings me to my next point that when we look at the high frequencies and the underlying data and the anecdotal evidence, et cetera, et cetera, what we feel is that domestic demand is holding up pretty well. What started off as pent up demand now seems to be becoming more business as usual. And particularly for the contact intensive sectors, we've seen that uh, the recovery has gained pace throughout this year. And I'm amazed every 15 days when I'm checking hotel hotel rates for Mumbai, they've gone up even more. And clearly that means that something uh, like uh, the leisure and business part of travel is back. Aviation, we're seeing the numbers improving quite sharply in the last uh, couple of months. So the contact intensive recovery is now on a much stronger wicket. It's not just pent up demand anymore. It's it's more sustainable uh, is what we feel. The concern really is the external sector. Global growth is slowing down. There are concerns that large uh, parts of the global economy could be in a recession next year. And how quickly and to what uh, intensity this is going to affect our exports is something we need to watch out for. Uh, yes, as I just said, exports did contract again in uh, December as well. But there is some component of commodity price deflation, which is leading to that number. So we have to tease out the value and the volume impact. And uh, the biggest watch out going ahead is clearly going to be uh, the export side. Excellent. That was very insightful. Uh, thank you. So you did talk about exports and that was our uh, next question, actually. Uh, you sort of preempted the question. So this is in tandem with a global uh, slowdown of sorts. But do you I understand that you said we'll have to wait and watch as to how the global environment um, pans out. But again, there seems to be some volatility even in the perception of the authorities that be there, whether in the EU or in the US. So they've been warning of a recession and the ECB um, uh, chief recently came up and said, We'll have to look at wages, wage control must be there and make sure that doesn't lead to inflation. So pretty hawkish tone, but also, you know, saying that in the same voice that if at all a recession strikes, it will be shallow and short. Uh, US, we, you know, we've been fearing a recession, but, you know, that's not actually happened. Uh, there are some good, uh, you know, wage and employment indicators there. Do you have any insights into what India as a country should watch out for when we talk about exports to these two zones, especially? Yeah, well, uh, you know, certainly to what uh, extent there will be a slowdown or a recession in these two very important trading partners is something that we need to watch very carefully going ahead. So two parts over here. One part is what happens with the merchandise side. So merchandise exports, this is where we're seeing, uh, you know, deep contractions already coming in. But as I said, we need to tease apart the demand part and the commodity price uh, impact. And uh, then the other is the services uh, exports. And services exports have actually been holding up very well, even through the last few months. Uh, And we have data up to November for services exports. Uh, Those are still continuing to grow at a very good pace. And the services trade surpluses are quite healthy. So is there going to be some amount of palliative that comes across uh, that, uh, you know, even in a slowing global economy, the services exports are more ring-fenced than the merchandise exports. So that's something we need to uh, watch out for. Other, of course, positive uh, in a sense for India is that as the global economy sort of falters, 
commodity prices may remain range bound at a moderate level so when we have positive news coming out of china for example commodity prices tend to move upward but there would be a gap i imagine if there is indeed going to be a recession in uh, the uh, eu and perhaps in the us so range bound commodity prices is something that would be very helpful for a country like india where we import a lot of our uh, inputs and uh, you know many uh, commodities that where we're just simply a price taker in the global economy and this is something that would help to keep a lid on our inflation going ahead and protect the domestic demand resilience that i was talking about earlier yeah uh, if i could just take a step back before we delve uh, you know more in a more elaborate fashion on commodity prices you talked about services exports you know propping up our overall figures and that they were sort of ring fenced and if i took it look at uh, it exports which make up a good chunk of services exports you know it has been historically claimed that you know when there is a slowdown people tend to cut costs so offshoring is a good opportunity for them i have never been able to find out from the figures whether there is true or not because generally if there is a slowdown there is a slowdown for everybody but when you use the word ring fenced what gives you that confidence that this is what is actually happening in terms of ring fencing so this is uh, you know what i am uh, seeing based on the data that if we look even up to the point or uh, uh, the data that we have for services for november uh now just going back to merchandise uh exports uh, they showed a minor contraction if we average october and november together but services exports have grown very sharply in these two months so whatever is happening with the global concerns of a slowdown that has not fed into the services exports yet so that is partly uh, you know what i'm saying either it's going to happen over the next few months or services exports are more ring fenced from what's happening in terms of consumer demand and therefore uh, that they might offset a part of the pain uh, of lower merchandise exports okay that gives us uh, some hope for the future so if we go on to the other point that you made on uh, range bound commodity prices that is actually my next question because inflation actually turned benign just ahead of the budget the past two months figures that we have and you know uh, many observers have been taken pleasantly by surprise because it's common in, in uh, consumer inflation figures have come in slightly less than what is expected i think if i'm not mistaken in your own commentary you had indicated it was surprising that it had uh, clocked in at uh, the 5.7% level for the latest data that we have so is it likely that q4 inflation q4 ending march 2023 maybe slightly lower than the rbi's own estimates uh, because what has taken us by surprise even though it's a pleasant surprise what, you know is it like uh, because oil went down so significantly uh, that this has uh, resulted in a lower than expected figure so let me first talk about the cpi and then about the wpi so the cpi definitely the december number was a little bit lower than what we were expecting uh this was mostly because of food mostly because of vegetable prices having come down um lower than what we had penciled in it's not because of crude because crude doesn't make it into the cpi basket and what does make it into the cpi basket is mostly petrol and diesel where the prices actually retail prices haven't changed in a really long time uh so food is the reason for the positive surprise in the december data what we feel is that when we look ahead a couple of different things firstly the base for food is now not very supportive going ahead so even though we have a further uh, reduction in the high frequency prices for many essential commodities and overall the rabi sowing trends are definitely better than what we had expected at the beginning of uh, the season 
Uh, so I'm not sure that food inflation is going to fall more in uh, Q4. And uh, many of the services, we might find that prices tend to be quite sticky. So the sense we have is that CPI inflation is going to be flattish in Q4 as compared to Q3 on average. And we think that there's only a slight downside to the FI23 uh, baseline CPI inflation projection of the MPC, which they had last placed at 6.7%. So we expect the full year average CPI inflation to come in just a shade lower than that at 6.6%. So I, I'm not hopeful that we'll have a large correction in the CPI in Q4, but I think we will have a large correction in the CPI in the subsequent quarter, which is Q1. And I think that's something, uh, you know, the MPC is likely to look through and look ahead. And, uh, you know, that's possibly what they need to uh, focus on in terms of uh, the inflation trajectory. WPI, uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, commodity prices and food prices have contributed to this lower than expected WPI inflation. There, I would expect it to uh, continue to correct and fall down to one and a half percent by March and be in the low single digits on average in uh, FI24. But the WPI is notoriously volatile and highly, highly sensitive to commodity prices and to uh, also the exchange rate. Uh, so it's a lot harder to predict where the WPI will end up next year. CPI, we expect, will moderate from 6.6% on average this year to 5.2% next year. Okay. And just as an uh, aside, as a corollary, um, many observers had indicated, you know, WPI has been lower than uh, CPI inflation for two months. And, you know, whereas in, in the previous several months, maybe 10 months or 15 months in a row, it had been much higher than CPI inflation, etc. So whether the WPI being higher or lower, does it indicate anything? Or like you mentioned, it's just volatile. There, there is, it's just a theory of randomness and there is nothing you can take away in terms of conclusions. See, the composition of the WPI is very different from the CPI. The CPI is 50% food and about 25% services. Food inflation tends to follow a pattern of its own. Services inflation tends to be more, uh, you know, domestic demand driven and sticky. You know, services prices don't usually get revised very quickly. And so there's only about a quarter of uh, the CPI, which is uh, other goods, you know, other than food. And WPI, on the other hand, is uh, predominantly commodity-driven. So what happens globally are two commodities, and commodity prices adjust very, very quickly, whereas output, final output prices don't. And therefore, the WPI will always be a much more volatile index than uh, the CPI. And in some sense, yes, uh, you know, uh, the, the WPI can be a lead indicator of where the CPI will head over the next few months directionally. But the extent of the increase or the fall in the WPI is unlikely to be echoed in the CPI. The CPI tends to also be volatile, but in a much, much narrower band than the WPI. So we go from having double-digit WPI inflation to having a WPI deflation, you know, sometimes within a matter of a 15-month cycle. The CPI just does not move like that. So directionally, yes, the WPI can be a lead indicator, but it's the range of its volatility will always be much, much higher than what we end up seeing for the CPI. That was very interesting and insightful. Uh, if we move on to the topic of um, capital expenditure, uh, especially by the private sector, but also by the government, uh, the government had recently said, I think the chief economic advisor had recently said that India was on track to see private uh, capex of 6 trillion rupees this year, uh, year ending March 2022. 
and if if that happens then it could be the highest seen in the last 6 7 years but that's one part the other part and that sort of worrying to observers is that the government capex need not keep the same pace over the coming years is something is said and uh, you know it's only now that uh, you know as is evident from credit growth in banks uh, that you know borrowings have increased and there seems to be a healthy pattern hopefully companies are borrowing and investing and there's not just inflation led uh if that is happening we've just picked up on private capex and generally government capex is set to crowd in private capex so at this juncture uh, would it be wise to let go of the accelerator pedal on the part of the government what is it that you see happening in the market so for the current year government of india budgeted its capex at 7 and 1/2 trillion and we broadly expect that they want to be able to meet the target for fy24 our sort of uh, baseline projections suggest that the government should be able to step up its capital expenditure to 8 and a half to 9 trillion uh, for the fy24 uh, budget estimates and uh, we expect that uh, the incremental expenditure will be concentrated in the infrastructure sectors uh, also some uh, support may be needed uh, maybe needed for uh, capital infusion into some of the insurance entities uh, we don't expect any um, capital infusion into the uh, public sector banks and we're curious to see whether the 1 lakh crore uh, capital uh, expenditure interest free loan scheme to the state governments is um, sees a further step up in its allocation uh, next year as compared to this year so just as a background uh, after the pandemic started the government of india started this uh, interest free capex loan of 50 years to the state governments and for the first two years the amounts were under rupees 15000 crore and for fy23 in the budget the amount was stepped up very sharply to rupees 1 lakh crore and under this scheme uh, the offtake by the states has been somewhat back ended and we're interested to see where their final offtake ends up whether they're able to utilize the entire allocation um, of 1 lakh crore this year or not and if they are then perhaps there could be a case to step up that allocation further but if there are sort of large amounts that are left unutilized then it may not be prudent to push more money under the scheme in the next year so how uh, the utilization is in q4 i think that's going to be a crucial input into uh, you know the budget uh, for fy24 uh, in terms of capex beyond that i do feel that every year we cannot be looking at government of india increasing its capex budget by 1 to 1 and a half trillion um i think um, there would be some cap to how much uh, government of india's uh, capex budget can be increased also from a fiscal consolidation point of view because we do have that uh, medium term uh, sort of uh, glide path that we need to come down to and private sector capex has certainly picked up in certain sectors uh, we think that it should become more broad based in the current calendar year as compared to last year and uh, there are uh, sort of uh, you know disparate sectors where we are seeing uh, capex activity happening so on a macro sense there were a lot of investor meets that states had in q3 and the project announcement uh, figures have gone up very sharply for that quarter but maybe the intent to invest may not be very immediate having said that uh, sectors where we are seeing capex uh, taking off include the pli related sectors cement steel uh some premium uh, uh, you know some room additions are being planned even in the hotel sector which was badly hit by the pandemic 
uh, we keep reading about uh, the plans of different airlines for their capacity expansion and also the auto sector we see that uh, many of the companies have lined up their uh, expansion plans so it's becoming more broad based and we expect that that trend uh, could continue in this calendar year especially if there isn't too much of a negative impact of the global slowdown on uh, the overall indian uh, output and scenario understood actually that part answers my next question actually i was trying to draw a correlation between private capex and all the macro data that we've seen for example core sector uh, i think for november showed four out of the eight sectors uh, showing double digit growth but three actually contracting and if you look at if, if cement and steel are, for example are areas that you are seeing investment in then it sort of correlates based on uh, you know demand there so like you said hopefully going forward uh, uh, there will be an increase in uh, capex across sectors is that something we could hope for is that what you're saying finally yes see core sector i'll just uh, sort of elaborate a little bit core sector and the iip one of the issues is that they are on a very old base of 2011 12 and that is particularly you know challenging for the iip because what it means is that uh, manufacturing units set up after 2011 12 simply don't seem to be making it into uh, the uh, what we are uh, calculating as industrial output so clearly there are uh, you know it's time to update the iip to get a more realistic sense of how the industrial output is actually performing every month now for things like the core sector industries and uh, the iip in general if there are holidays and factories are closed then you're simply going to get a sort of contraction either in month to month or in by by terms which is why i'll i'll go back to what i was saying earlier when the diwali holidays shift between october and november then we end up with these very sharp base effects and uh, the double digit growth in some of these uh, sectors that you're talking about in november is on a uh, diwali which happened in november of last year so there were more working days in november 22 as compared to november 21 so the double digit growth itself may be misleading that itself is not a very good uh, indication of whether we are ready to go off onto the capex cycle or not but yes capex cycle has started in some sectors and we do hope it will become more broad based going ahead got it um in 2019 the government actually announced a benign uh, uh, tax regimen for companies that are investing afresh in manufacturing and i think that has been extended to till march 2024 uh while the aim was to get more investments that could have gone to other uh, you know competing countries like vietnam indonesia or philippines that you know are export uh, competitors for india uh we haven't seen too much of a trickle effect there in auto finally after like you know 15 or 18 months of trying to understand whether it's coming in or not we heard noises that said you know what uh, global auto majors are having an india strategy they've actually earmarked sums uh that you know we have to outsource certain components worth so much from india so the india strategy uh is playing out uh but you know both from a pli perspective as well as the benign tax structure that has been announced uh do you think we need to do something more as a country is there something missing that vietnam is doing right and india isn't considering the vast difference in scale and size well <laughs> i think the vast difference in scale and size is something that uh, you know really has to uh, be kept in mind while framing any kind of uh, policies uh, we simply have a large part of the hinterland which is not uh, where access to ports is really quite far away etc and uh, these are some 
sort of challenges that we need to be able to overcome going ahead and uh, the gati shakti uh, and the nip all of these are a step in trying to address these sort of uh, challenges that we have as compared to our uh, export competing uh, competitor nations and we are hopeful that over the next few years uh, a lot of the roadblocks will sort of uh, uh, go away or maybe not roadblocks but what are structural challenges will sort of uh, ease out uh, thanks to these uh, policies of the government okay in one earlier conversation you talked about the gst regime when it was introduced in 2016 while it has ramped up and the quantums that we see in terms of collections every month have become healthier over time you'd also sort of uh, you know had a sobering comment saying the growth that was expected from 2016 has just about or not yet been met so there's there's no reason for a lot of cheer here but you know we still need to wait and watch could you elaborate on that point please so that would have been made in the context of uh, the gst compensation era so effectively when we entered the gst regime uh, we calculated protected revenues for the state governments and said that uh, we were going to grow them at a, a secular rate for 5 years and any difference between the projected and the actual uh, gst revenues was going to be compensated through the cess which was uh, levied uh, so this compensation was for a 5 year period which is now ended on june 30th of 2022 and uh, so in that context we found that uh, particularly because of the pandemic in fi 21 and 22 large amount of gst compensation was required to be given to the states based on the compensation formula and uh, we were quite concerned about how some states would cope in the post gst compensation era but uh, broadly the feeling that we have now is that because of uh, the overall tax buoyancy and the resumption in uh, economic activity including in the contact intensive sectors uh, overall tax revenue growth is very good both for the center and for the states and uh, when we look at the gst numbers they certainly uh, looking like they're going to exceed government of india's budget estimates uh, for cgst by about 1.3 to 1.4 trillion and uh, for the state governments as well uh, gst has rebounded that's one thing but during the pandemic they took some steps to boost their other uh, tax revenue collections uh, like uh, for instance excise duty on alcohol was raised by many states stamps duties were rationalized in a way to uh, generate more revenue and also higher prices of petrol and diesel actually helped the states to get more ad valorem collections on uh, these fuels on the vat that they impose on these fuels so generally there is a lot of uh, uh, tax buoyancy this year uh, finally after two uh, very dull years and we feel that uh, even though gst revenues may still be away from that expected path that they were supposed to traverse at least the state seem to be in a much better position to deal with this end of gst compensation uh, than what we were fearing earlier there may be one or two outliers who have specific structural reasons uh, for a higher dependence on uh, gst which, uh, and the compensation which is now ended but overall as a pack i would say that the state governments have weathered this sort of watershed moment quite well okay and because we talked about tax buoyancy uh, you know obviously you said it's going to exceed the uh, revised estimates for 2023 fy23 uh so is there something else that the government could be spending on because i think the government always has its eye on the fiscal deficit which is uh, expected to be about 6.4% and we probably meet that target 
you know considering there's so much buoyancy or has, has this buoyancy been offset by expenses that we have had to incur as a country for example in oil which uh, just after the uh, you know war set in in ukraine it reached you know near lifetime highs of 130 dollars per barrel now it's sort of sobered down to 84 or thereabouts uh, do you have a view on that so for commodity as fiscal deficit uh, certainly there is an expenditure pressure this year uh, fertilizer subsidies and food subsidies are going to end up being much higher than what was budgeted and that's going to take away a lot of this uh, buoyancy on uh, tax revenues that we were just talking about also government of india had to cut the excise duty on petrol and diesel uh, to uh, sort of uh, offset the spike in crude oil prices and that is a revenue loss uh, as well so net net what we feel is that government of india's fiscal deficit could be about 80000 crore higher than what they had budgeted in absolute terms but because the nominal gdp base will also be much higher than what they had factored in as a percentage of gdp the fiscal deficit is going to remain at the budgeted 6.4% in fy23 for fy24 factoring in our revenue assumptions and uh, looking at how much uh, subsidies could recede we believe that government of india should be able to step up its capital expenditure to 8.5 trillion in fy24 uh, and still show a small dip in the fiscal deficit in absolute terms and a larger correction in the fiscal deficit as a percentage of gdp to 5.8 from 6.4% so we've seen a lot of um, issues over the uh, course of this conversation uh, if there are one two or three top issues that would keep you awake as an economist and something that is of concern to you from the indian economy point of view and if you have view as to how the budget should address that what would those be so i think the top uh, concern that we're really watchful of at this point is something that i've been talking about uh, throughout this conversation which is what happens in the global uh, economy and how much it affects our indian exports that is something that uh, you know we definitely need to keep an eye on uh, particularly in terms of uh, whether job losses uh, in um, the west is also something that sort of seeps in um, into the indian uh, economy through uh, you know jobs that are held by uh, indian citizens and how that affects demand etc in addition to the fact that merchandise exports themselves could uh, be in for a rocky patch uh, going ahead the other thing you know in the last couple of years what we've uh, uh, really seen is that black swan events uh, can be extremely disruptive and while the covid situation seems to be very much under control at this point in time in india uh, we can't completely rule out uh, a repeat of uh, you know <clears throat> what happened in the third wave for instance which was short lived and not very damaging but it was a wave nonetheless so these are some of the things that uh, you know we we can't completely forget about or uh, take our eyes off in terms of, of concerns for the indian economy going ahead but i'm very hopeful in a sense when i look around uh, i find that uh, there is a mojo back you know there, there seems to be a lot of uh, positivity uh, especially a combination of our demographics uh, and an aspirational um, set of new entrants into the workforce and this is something that i feel can make uh, domestic demand more sustainable going ahead and that's something that i'm very hopeful about in terms of our uh, indian economic uh, growth impulses and also infrastructure is something that uh, we do hope uh, that uh, the government is going to continue to prioritize we would probably be saying this every single year that we hope that the budget is going to put in uh, more money for infrastructure and for capital spending and productive spending in general 
and if such spending can be kick-started early on in the year, then the fiscal impulse can end up being much uh, greater and uh, pull in uh, some uh, positive momentum from the private sector as well. So that is something that we look forward to uh, in terms of uh, being able to ring-fence the Indian economy from what happens in the rest of the world. Excellent. Your views, as always, have been uh, insightful. It's been a very interesting conversation we've had with you, Mr. Nair. Thank you so much for uh, creating time to be with us here today. Thank you so much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.